two. Somebody only got two. I'm looking at uh, Bucky Brooks's uh, three. I mean, how do you only get two? The first three were locks. That's like misspelling uh, your name on the SATs. He uh, he went a little uh, off the cuff, if you will. Yeah, three. went way over the cliff if he couldn't get at least the first three right. Now, come on, man. Underpaying these guys for this? Whew. We got to get into a different nine to work, buddy. You only get two right. Uh, out he of, got out of the first how many of the NFL draft and the first three have been a lock for the past six months. <laughs> so he got four total throughout the entire draft. Wow. But he didn't get. He only got one and two right. He should not accept a paycheck. He bought the hype on Tua not going to Miami. Yeah, a lot of people did, which is ridiculous. Wow. All right. Enough chatter. You want to do a show? I'm ready. All right. That sounded. You sound super excited. Um, th- I'm thrilled. I'm thrilled. I'm you thrilled. sound pumped. I'll try. I'll try to. I'll try to bring it down a little bit. All right. We don't want to scare anybody. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Ben and Chris Talk Sports. I am Chris. I am Ben. Have a great show for you planned today. Episode fifty-eight, I believe. I yes, lost sir. count. Yeah, fifty-eight. We have Jameis Winston possibly finding a home very quickly after the draft. I do believe Ben and I called that. We have a fun kind of debate here. Are dominant teams bad for sports? And we're going to run down some of the most dominant dynasties. Mostly during our lifetime, as, as usual, because we don't talk on things we don't know. Yep. Uh, we also have uh, our, our best and worst moves of the NFL draft and a review of the draft in general. And then a uh, debate at the end. If you could start a team right now and you could choose one player, either Aaron Judge or Christian Yelich, who would you pick? But we're going to start off with the draft. And I, for one, let you congratulate Ben. He worked very hard on his draft analysis his whole first-round mock, and he got 6 out of 32 correct, which you might say 6 out of 32, not high numbers. Well, when most professionals who get paid a lot of money to do this analysis only got between 3 and 5 correct when they have countless resources and months and months and months to do only this, I'd say 6 is pretty good, Ben, so congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. You know, I put a lot of time and effort into this. I don't have the connections they have. So yes. to sit here and be able to yet. say, I get, yes. To be able to sit here and say, Charles Davis, I got more than, right than you. Uh, I, I like to think I, I did a pretty good job here. Absolutely, you did, man. And I, I'm the first one to criticize you and joke around with you if, uh, if I can. But I can't, I can't knock that. You worked real hard on it, and it was really good. And um, the, the thing is to me is so many of these guys come out and they're so arrogant with their picks. It's like, oh, I believe, and they're so like snooty, their noses in the air. Like, I, I know this because I know this. And then it doesn't even come close to happening. And they're like, oh, well, plans change, whatever. <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah, you look at a bunch of them. They all bought the hype of Tua not going to Miami. It's like, guys, they've been sitting on this for like two years. They're not just going to cut bait because, you know, he had a bad hip and a couple of injuries. If you do the work, you put the time in. I mean, the evidence is on the on on the wall. Let's let's go. Let's let's do this right. Let's not mess around. And and unfortunately, when you pick uh, 
Justin Herbert to go to Miami, well, then that throws off where two is going to go. And, and right, it's like when you fill out your bracket for March Madness and you have like the the sixteenth or fifteenth ranked team going to the Final Four because you you're trying to uh, you're trying to play the upset card, and then they get knocked out by the number one or two seed by like forty points. It throws your whole bracket off. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I'm I'm really proud of the one pick I made. Uh, Eagles at twenty one taking Jalen Rigor. I'm just it just kind of like. It's the perfect spot because there was a couple receivers that they could have taken other than him, maybe higher rated than some people would have thought, or in some people's minds is higher than than Jalen was. And you don't really know what the Eagles might do, trade up, trade down. So that's like the one pick I would say, because the other ones, they were at the top of the draft that I got right, and it's like – like you said, it was pretty good shock one, two, and three. Yeah, that was pretty. That was pretty well known for a few months now. What those were going to be. So I, I was just really proud of that one. I wish I would have gotten Isaiah Simmons right because you know, I, I rode that. I, I'm still riding that hype train on Isaiah Simmons, but you know, I just didn't see Arizona taking him, which which kind of stunned me. But there's a lot of there was a lot of good that happened. A lot of a lot of teams went good places. Uh, and then there's a couple of people, people that had head scratchers. And then of course, uh, we posted the, uh, ever famous, uh, you know, Jordan Love getting taken at 26 by the Packers, which was just monumental. That was, yeah, that's, uh, I don't think Aaron Rodgers has still calmed down from that. You know, he's freaking out about that because it's Aaron Rodgers. Well, it tells you the difference between Aaron Rodgers and, and Carson Wentz. And we know I, 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 I crap all over Carson Wentz, but he put a post out. Yep. Uh, congratulating Jaden Hurts and, and welcome him to the city and uh, to the team. So I don't think I've heard a peep out of Aaron Rodgers yet. No, and you won't. You'll only hear complaints when it's time to complain. That's the difference. You're 100% right. Carson Wentz for what people may love or may have dislike about the guy. He showed he's a team player. He showed why he's a leader on that team. Uh, you know, he, I, I think he's smart enough to realize Jordan Love, um, excuse me, Jalen Hurts, is probably not there to take his job. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised, honestly, if this is a lot like the Patriots did with a guy like Garoppolo, where it's yeah. they got a guy, they can try to develop him, they can show other teams what they have, then they can trade him away. And in the meantime, they can have a suitable backup because how many times have you seen it in this league? Your starter gets hurt, and all of a sudden, all your plans are down the toilet. That's why a guy like Teddy Bridgewater got paid some all this offseason. Because he went in as a backup for Drew Brees and didn't miss a beat, essentially. And showed that he can, in the right system, be very effective. So, I think it's I think it was a smart move. I know a lot of Eagles fans, uh, some that listen to this show, were not thrilled with it. Um, and I can understand that because they did have other needs. And there was still a lot of talent on the board at those positions of need. But, for all that Wentz can do good for you, he has proved to be a bit fragile and injury prone. Uh, I do realize that the hit last year was dirty. I still believe that, so I don't blame him for that. But I, I, I don't think it's as big a deal or as a ne- much a negative as people are making it out to be from the Eagles' point of view. The Packers, on the other hand, I think they drafted. Uh, I think they drafted Aaron Rodgers' replacement eventually. And the only reason you can like, look, Aaron Rodgers, even if they move on, Aaron Rodgers is still going to go to some other team for five or six years and get paid a lot of money to play mediocre and complain there. So I don't know what he's upset about. 
I think, uh, well, you're right on Aaron Rodgers, 100%. And I, honestly, when I did my breakdown of looking at who made the worst moves in the draft, the Packers were there. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah they were not sharp. No. And as far as the Eagles, uh, yeah, I, I, I agree with that as well. And if you're an Eagles fan, I understand the instinct right away because that was our instinct right away. It was like, what are they doing? Why are they taking Jalen Hurts? And then if you sit back and let it marinate over a day or two, you can remember, uh, what was it, uh, uh, Josh McCown coming in in that game, and they just went nowhere. Yeah, they, t- they were bad. So you, you're just getting the guy for a couple of years, and imagine what Jalen Hurts would have done in that situation potentially. You're assuming an off-season program to get in the offense and practice time. You can imagine just having Jalen Hurts and his athletic ability would have maybe got you through that game. And then who knows what happens after that. I mean, look at Nick Foles. He took over a couple of years ago, and he rode it all the way to a Super Bowl win. So you just don't know. Um, and I think, I think because they got their need, and we were hammering this point in, they got their need in the first round. This could be, this is an opportunity pick for them. Plus, they made um, the the trade for Marquise Goodwin. Although uh, not not a fantastic move, but it's a a solid depth move. Oh, I, I, absolutely, yeah. That's that's a lot more depth at wide receiver position. And they just it just they're just building that wide receiver depth. I think they added. I can't remember who else they added. They added somebody else. Uh, later in the draft, who was uh, like this speed merchant. Um, I don't know much about him, but I know uh, they, they were talking pretty high up on him. I think it was like day three of the draft. It's just they identified sometimes you want to draft the best player available when it gets to your spot, but sometimes you need to align your best, the best player available with a specific need. And this was a need by the Eagles. Um, some teams didn't take that seriously. So that's why I crapped all over them if I thought they didn't do a good pick. Uh, I'll take the Seattle Seahawks, for instance. I wasn't a fan of the Jordan Brooks pick because, as we said over the last uh, podcast, it was he was ranked in 100 and something uh, overall. It's like... You're reaching, buddy. Yeah, they picked him up twenty, twenty-seven or twenty-eight. They picked him up in, and it was he was you could have got him in the fourth or fifth easily, probably. Yeah, and 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 being in New England, uh, in Massachusetts, um, the the Patriot media circled the wagons and they defended Bill's picks and all that, and then you had Sports Talk Radio on the other side just destroying the Patriots' picks because, of course. They trade down, they trade out of the first round, they do this, they do that, they get all these second-round picks, they never work out, blah, blah, blah. That's all I heard all day today, and it was quite frankly annoying, um, to be honest with you. I don't. That's why I don't listen to sports talk radio, especially New England sports talk. I don't bother. It's all negative. There's no, there's no silver lining ever. There's no positives. But I will give you one, uh, my positive, Chris, if you uh, would so inclined to listen. Sure. Uh, I... Now we've talked up on the Eagles a lot, and they had—I think they had a great draft. 
And that's after Meredith letting the Jalen Hurts uh, pick Meredith, which, by the way, I would have liked to see the Patriots get him. But so be it. Uh, but I don't, I don't have them number one. I have the Ravens number one. Okay. They picked up two linebackers that are kind of like not polar opposite each other, but they're like two different positions. And then they picked up a DT, which I didn't know much about, but uh, I know it was, I think it was Mel Kuyper and Daniel Jeremiah were talking to him up pretty good. Uh, just looking at the uh, quick bio they had on him on uh, one of the websites. Uh, he's a bit undersized, but can rush the passer and get off his blocks. I think another defensive lineman to add to Garrett Wolf, Calais Campbell, just that front front seven, I think, is a big help. And then getting J.K. Dobbins, just it's a home run. It's a home run. Yeah, I, I'd have to – I mean – you could argue that the Vikings had a pretty solid draft also because they, they addressed areas of need and they kind of did the same thing that Dallas did where, you know, they went wide receiver first and you're like, what are you doing? You need a corner, you need defense. And then they went in second round and got corner and defense. So that was good. But I would have to agree with you if I was picking a team that won the draft to be Baltimore without a doubt. Right. And I picked up, there's a reason they're in a position there, and there's a reason even if they have a somewhat down year, even for them, they come back and they become competitive. They know how to draft. They're disciplined. This was a team that didn't have a ton of glaring needs. They had needs, but nothing where it was like, oh, they're awful there. And they just seemed to look so much stronger despite that coming out of the draft with everyone they picked up. It was perfectly balanced, great linebacker in the first round. You have that hard-hitting Baltimore defense we're all used to. Then you get the rookie running back that looks great. You got he, he was a steal where they drafted him and yes, J.K. Dobbins. I mean, beyond a steal. And I think with with a guy like Mark Ingram and Dobbins, uh, Lamar Jackson, the receiver they picked up. Uh, I mean, this this team. Look out, Kansas City. Baltimore's the team to beat. I'm sorry, there they really are. Just the way they're structured. They're structured to win. They're built long term. <laughs> This isn't a team that's going to fall apart in two years. No. And and they also picked up receiver uh, late in the draft, a couple linemen, which may be death pieces, maybe practice squad guys. We don't know. But I like the idea of you took enough picks to spread yourself out and get not fill holes, like you said, but just fill in pieces to see if it works. You know, Patrick Queen was an undersized linebacker at LSU, but – he might work out in the the Ravens defense because the Ravens defense predicates on a defensive line sucking up those offensive linemen so that your linebackers can make plays. The Patrick Quink has the ability to make plays, but he gets sucked up by blockers and can't get off of them. Well, how do you counter that? You you have your defensive line suck up the blockers and then he just makes plays. Uh, that was Ray Lewis in his prime. You know, the problem when he had problems is when they didn't have defensive, especially interior defensive linemen, to suck up those blockers. Because as great as Ray Lewis was, wasn't fantastic at getting off the blocks. So if he got guards or tackles or even the center up on him, he couldn't shake them. Right. As great as he was. And I think I think a guy like Patrick Queen coming in, Calais Campbell is going to be his best friend. Because I know Calais isn't a defensive tackle, but you, 
you want to bet he's going to run between Calais and their defensive tackle quite a bit to get to that quarterback. And Absolutely. It's it's this kid looks like he undersized or not, he looks like with the, the way they have that defense structured, he could be a star. And they uh I read um a quick bio on the other linebacker. I don't know his name. I apologize, but um, they said he's more of the pass rushing kind of type linebacker Malik bigger thank you thank you out of uh ohio state um he kind of more of the pass rushing type so that's why i said like they're not polar opposites but they're like two different kinds of linebackers that you're looking for and that could help the defense and make it more as crazy as it is more scary which is frightening because they were damn good last year. Yeah, they weren't nothing, nothing. They weren't a joke last year by any means. But all right, so I kind of feel like we're doing a, like a version of our banker tank here. So you could bank on the Ravens in the draft. Oh yeah. If you had to say someone tanked the draft, because we know with every positive there's a negative, yin and yang. Yep. You had to pick your worst draft. Who would it be? Well, it came down to two teams. I think we have the same two teams, also. <laughs> Honestly. Well. Uh... My second to last is the Bills. Oh, okay. I was thinking of Packers, but uh, I had them down there. But um, I feel like the Bills kind of dropped the ball a little bit more. But they're not worse than our friends down in Houston, Billy O and the Texans. I think that was uh, close to a dreadful draft, as you can see. I mean, uh, it's Billy O. What do you expect? I expect a little bit more from him, to be honest, Chris. Uh, no, you like more, but at this point, there's no way you could expect more based on what we've seen the last who knows how many years. Yeah, and and it, it kind of they're kind of hampered by the fact that they decided they wanted to trade their uh, first round pick for a left tackle, which still makes no sense. Uh, of course, excuse me, I, I hate to correct you, but two first round picks. I apologize for that tackle. I was, I was being specific just to this draft, but you're correct. And then it pay was, him an absurd amount of money when you wouldn't give DeAndre Hopkins a new contract. So there's Billy O for you. Yeah, it's it's a confusing team. Uh, I was trying – I was actually trying – I initially did – when I did my analysis, I was trying to, like, go complete team. Right. And, and like, what they did in the offseason and the draft. I'm like, you know what? Let me separate that. And we're just going to go – draft because then maybe down the road in a couple weeks or so we might revisit the entire offseason as collective um but as far as like the texans they just they got a bunch of pieces at wide receiver as far as like free agent wise they didn't get anything in the draft like they could have i think they could have feasibly gotten a decent wide receiver at the eighth pick in the second round. There were a couple of them still available uh, because there were 36 wide receivers drafted. And I believe it was 13 in the first two rounds, which was a record. Don't quote me on it, but I believe it was 13. That sounds right. And, you know, unfortunately you don't have a first round pick. You just, your talent pool that you're bringing in is not going to be as good. So you need to hit on these picks. And Ross Blacklock was their defensive tackle, the second pick in the eighth and uh, eight pick, uh, eight pick in the second round. And he wasn't great. 
um, a great pick, I don't think, because he was a projected first-round pick at some point. I've seen him in mock drafts in the first round, and he dropped out of it. So it just doesn't seem like if you're a Texans fan, you look at it just like you didn't fill a hole, a glaring hole that you have. You don't have a number one. You don't. And you're concerned about your quarterback because we know what the problem with the offensive line. And, you know, drafting an offensive tackle in the fourth round, great. Why why aren't you – it don't seem like you have a direction. It just doesn't seem like there's a direction no. with the Texans. And that's been the narrative since the offseason began. There seems to be no direction with the Texans. And it, it's exasperated. Not to mention, if you remember on the telecast, it was day two, I believe. Billy O was going off on the phone, and they had a live feed of him going off on the yeah, phone. Yeah, he was pissed at somebody. I wish he could have heard what they were saying. Who knows what it was? Was there, was there a tech malfunction? Was there a trade that was supposed to go through that didn't go through? Uh, was he yelling at a – I don't know. Who knows what it was, but he was clearly angry at the phone. He's and, probably mad because Belichick kept probably calling him, asking him to trade Deshaun, and he's like, I'm not <laughs> doing it. Leave me alone. That is that is an, that is an excellent theory, Chris. Uh, let's see if we can unearth that. Because I, I like to see – what the end result? What what was what was the genesis of him yelling? And I think that that video right there personifies their draft. Is just it was just there. It just it just happened, and they got some players. But I don't know if it's anything that's gonna rattle the cage. And during a division that teams are making moves. All, well, except for Jacksonville. Although Jacksonville, I will say, had a healthy draft. But Yeah, they have some great players to trade in a few years. They do. They do. They had a healthy draft. Yeah. And the, the, the Colts had a very healthy draft, I think, as well. And the uh, Titans, it, it was okay. Uh, not great, but okay. I like they, Denver they get, a lot. I, I tried. I, I saw they were right there with uh, the Ravens. Denver it did was, very well. They they're, it, they're, they they took their team from young upstart last year to made a couple of moves before the draft and then the the, the, the offensive moves they made in the draft. They filled some holes at defense. They are going to be very very formidable as long as their young quarterback and I keep forgetting his name. Drew Lock. Drew Lock. Thank you. As long as Drew Lock can be adequate, it's going to be a real dangerous team. I mean, you're four deep right now. Yeah. Receiver. I, I, I like KJ Hamler because I see what he did against my Wolverines. Right. He is going to play games with the AFC West consistently. If he can stay on the field, I, he doesn't have health problems, but if he can stay on the field and they can integrate him into the offense better than a Percy Harvin, better than, like you want to with with KJ Hamler, you want to integrate him like the Chiefs integrated Tyreek Hill minus the off field bullshit. Yes. And Jerry Judy, we like like I, I speak enough about Jerry Judy is a precision route runner, and he will be your your not your stick guy, but you know he is going to be that reliable receiver that. When Drew Locke's looking around trying to find somebody and he's going to have a small window for Judy, he'll hit it 
and and Drew will be right there to catch it. I just have all the faith in the world. We know what we know what Corlett is something that can do. Um, Deshaun Hamilton, he may develop a little bit more. And we mentioned how they have Noah Fant at tight end. It's just a litter of weapons for Drew Locke. Now there's a lot of pressure on him, but you know, you're a starting quarterback. I'll say for me, we actually had two different teams for the for the worst. My other team that just stunk it up for me was the Raiders. I, I you know, they were kind of middle of the road for me. I get it though. That like, that cornerback pick, yeah, that's that's it. Brings them down. They, they they had a great great draft class, great draft class from last year. Then they had Darren Waller, who they brought in, who they signed to an extension. The team looked like it was going in the right direction. They bring in um, Marcus Mariota from Tennessee, really cheap on a two-year deal. It's like, hey, this team is building a real solid foundation. Then they take Henry Ruggs III in the first round. No problem with that pick. No problem at all. It's a great pick. An absolutely great pick. Great player. Should do awesome. Can really help that offense. And then they take Damon Arnett, who... I think you looked it up. He was ranked like 150. They could have gotten this guy in the fourth round, and they used they used their Khalil Mack first round pick on him. That's it, that's it, gonna be the problem. That's gonna be the problem right there. Yeah. If you're a Raiders yeah. fan, if that's the pick that they, they trade, yeah, that is the pick they traded for uh, to, to get. They got Chicago. Then then it's just like when the Patriots traded Drew Bledsoe, right? Uh, the Ty Warren pick was forever linked to Drew Bledsoe right. because that was a pick the Patriots used when they uh, when they uh, traded Drew Bledsoe. Uh, I'm looking at the the picks afterwards. The second highest pass rusher, Kavilon Chason, went the next pick. Right. There is still so much talent on the board, and they go for the guy they could have gotten easily. You could have taken him in the third round, and no one would have batted an eye, right. and they could have gotten him in the third round. But no, nope, they, they had to try to outsmart everybody and take them in the first round, and, and, and inexcusable. We, and we know we know um, the issues that the offensive line had. They're not the most glaring issues, but they're issues nonetheless. And I love Caesar Ruiz going to Saints, but you don't think for you know? It, it, I know it's five picks earlier, but Caesar Ruiz, who's a center, but he could also be a guard, that would have solidified more your offensive line. Or you could even take in Kenneth Murray, who went to twenty three at um, twenty three at uh, uh, the Chargers. Right. You need linebackers. There's there's opportunities right there for them to get good players, and they reached for Damon Arnett, which I he's talented, but you could have got him later. Yeah, it, it's yeah, not not in that spot. It didn't make any sense to me, and that's why a team like the Raiders finds himself year after year, being on the cusp of being a competitive team. Because when they do one thing right, they take one step forward, they take three steps back. Right. But, and, and I'm just sad. It's really just sad. Well, it does. It looks to me, and I know a thing or two, we both do, but from being Patriots fans, that we got a few teams that might be poised to go on a bit of a run. I don't know if we're going to go at dynasty level, but it could be pretty pretty good for some time to come. And you posed a question to me when planning for this this you know recording. Yeah. 
are dominant teams bad for sports? Well, Chris, uh, it, it depends, really. Like, I'm, I want to try to take myself out of being a fan because obviously, being a fan of the Patriots, the, the you could consider the dynasty from 01 to 18, realistically, because there was a, a period where they didn't win anything, but they still went to Super Bowls. Right. But they have 17 division titles. So I want to try to take myself out of that and just say, is it good for the sport? Well, I'll look at basketball. Watching, like, for four years straight, it was almost like Golden State and Cleveland. Or, well, no, let me refre- refresh that. Golden State and LeBron James hey, yeah, team. LeBron, yeah. That, that's what it was. And LeBron went to nine straight finals. It broke last year, right? Yeah, last so. year. Yeah, yeah, last year because he didn't go with the Lakers. But they were poised to go this year. Um, but last year broke the streak for the um, LeBron James going to the finals. But Golden State was still there. Unfortunately for Toronto, they, they beat them. But my point is, it was every like four four straight years. It was like every, the whole thing was Golden State and LeBron team. That's what was going to be the finals. And you know, Golden State went there five times, won three championships. LeBron went to nine straight finals, so you can see they matched up against each other a few times. And I just think it it, it was kind of boring. It was kind of boring. Like, you, you look at – I root for the Celtics. I like what they did. I like how they built the team. They built the team up each and every year. The problem was you still looked at, you know, Daddy LeBron and say, can you beat LeBron? No, because they fa- they faced him in the, the playoffs a couple times, and LeBron just said, no, you're not going to get past this. They even had one year where they took him to six game six games – no, seven games it was a few years back. And it was like this upstart Celtics team, and they had all the pieces. And then LeBron, game seven, came in. Uh, they went back to Cleveland, and LeBron just said, no, 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 we're not going to do this. And he just finished off the Celtics. They went home. It was one of those those uh, Cleveland teams that LeBron dragged to the finals Yeah, on his back. Which Kevin Garnett style. Yeah. Oh, well, I would just say even more because LeBron did that a lot with his teams, like just drag that team to the finals. I think it can be bad. That's I'll, just my opinion. Yeah, I mean, I, I can understand what you mean about it can be boring or whatever, and I, I can see, oh, man, they won again, whatever. I think for your casual fan, once a team stops being the underdog and becomes the front runner. It, you, you kind of lose interest in them. Uh, I mean, not not obviously a fan of the team, but I mean, you're people watching the Super Bowl. Like in one people were like, "Oh, the the Rams had won. The Rams have been dominant for like three or four years." I know a lot of people who weren't Patriots fans who were rooting for the Patriots because they hadn't seen them win before. And those same people, you know, five six years later, are like, "Oh God, I hate the Patriots. My God, all they do is win." Da da da. They get they get so old, and so. Uh, you know the the old saying: you either die a hero or live long enough to become the villain. Yeah, it's essentially what it becomes in sports. You win one, okay. you're a hero. You win two, it's okay, and then you start winning 
repetitively, excessively. Like some of the dynasties you put, you, you know, you, you gave me as an example, the Bulls from eighty four to ninety eight, uh, the Warriors you just talked about from fourteen to nineteen, uh, the Red Wings from ninety five to two thousand eleven, the Pats from oh one to eighteen, um, the Dodgers from thirteen to nineteen. I actually don't agree with that one because uh, I just think they were a good team and a lousy division. But okay. Um, but the Yankees, obviously, from 96 to 2009, sure. It's bad to an extent, but at some point, there's no more powerful unifying factor in sports than disdain. That's true. Like, it, we're Patriots fans. We were watching the Super Bowl, cheering for the Patriots. 31 other fan bases, even if your team had nothing to do with it, were watching those games to watch the Patriots lose. And I'm a Red Sox fan. The only thing I enjoy almost as much as the Red Sox winning is the Yankees losing. So any time, the Sox could have been eliminated, not even made the playoffs. But there was a team that was beating them down in the playoffs. I was the biggest supporter of that team in that moment because I I hate the Yankees. I hate the Yankees. Okay, didn't make my team any more of a winner. But, you know, you felt like everything. Like, remember when the... uh, the year the Angels won when they beat the Giants, and I believe it was seven games. And everyone's getting annoyed with all the, uh, uh, what were they called, like the thunder sticks, whatever they were, those big noisemakers, the things they yeah. smashed together. The Angels fans had them every game. I think they were thunder sticks, I'm not sure. Thunder sticks, I thought that's what they were called. But So everyone, oh, that's that's so annoying. That And I'm like, oh, they're just fans having fun, whatever. But then if I, I'm as a Patriots fan, if I'm watching – like the Steelers, I'm like, ah, those fans in their stupid yellow towels. It's like, if you like something, it's great. If you dislike it, or you have a a mutual dislike based on a rivalry, it's the dumbest thing you've ever seen. I had no rivalry with the rivalry. The Sox at that time had no rivalry with the Angels. So it was like, okay, beat the Yankees. I'm rooting for you. Your fans are great. This and that. Everything's fine. But then if they were playing the Sox, I would have been like, put those dumb sticks away. Well, I'll, I'll equate it to something I'm familiar with is uh, uh, Penn State, uh, a couple times a year, they'll do their little whiteout in Happy Valley. And what a whiteout is, is uh, all the fans will wear white shirts and the entire stadium will be white. And it's like, this is the dumbest thing in the world. You guys are all idiots. But I will flip that onto something else that I'm innocuous to because of the situation they're in, Nebraska. They'll wear their black shirts um, because the vaunted black shirt defense of the Nebraska Cornhuskers. They're a depressing team. They have no, they've had no standing in the national um, (laughs) uh, conversation. Tell us how you really feel. The better part of two decades. So who who really cares? And my Michigan Wolverines uh, tear them apart every time they face them. So it's like just a little, like a little, little flea just flicks it off where just looking at the white out each year is like, God, that is so annoying. Kind of like Ohio state does to Michigan every year, Chris, every year. They I had to bring it back down to earth, man. Sorry. Bring me back to earth. And maybe no, no, this year won't be this. Won't be well, I think the entire team got drafted in the first round. So you may have a chance this year. Nope. Ohio state reloads just like Alabama and Clemson. Plus Justin Fields is still the quarterback and he destroyed the, um, Wolverines almost single-handedly, and he'll be back. Oh, maybe next decade. Uh, I can only hope, Chris. I can only hope. 
Yeah, but I don't. Good. I I wanted to enhance your point about the Patriots. Um, It's funny that you brought that up because actually my family, for the most part, no one. We're rooting for the Patriots because, you know, yeah, beat the Rams, symbolic, you know, 9-11. It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It didn't take too long for them to turn sour on the Patriots. So as we speak right now, I am the only member of my family that roots for the Patriots, while the rest of them just latch on to whatever bandwagon they want to jump on, with the exception of my little brother, who is actually an Eagles fan. Uh, But it's just funny how – the tides just turn so quickly on a team that just dominates uh, for a period of time, which is why some leagues try to make it so you can't dominate. But right. with basketball, it's a player-driven league, so it's kind of you're at the whim of the players to decide what what super team they're going to build. Like the Lakers and the Clippers both built a super team. So we could have had a NBA finals in the conference finals of the Western conference this year, not to mention what happened in the East. Like our, the, the NBA finals could have been the conference finals in the Western conference this year, just because the, the East is, eh, it was just eh this year. And it could have been an ugly finals, to be honest with you. It might still be because you never know if they're going to play or not, but right. It, 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 that's the only league I would say is different than the rest of them. The rest of them are very, it, it's other than new England, realistically, it's very up and down, uh, how you draft, how you player develop, how you free agency. Basketball is just a different animal. Yeah. Uh, and I, I don't, to be fair, I really don't know. I mean, I, I know what goes on in basketball. I know a lot more about basketball than I do the hockey and the NHL. But I know, you know, the teams that win and the dynasties that have existed and, and, and the teams that are uh, built to win now. Um, I'll say this much. Back in uh, 14, the Warriors won their first? Uh, Our- I believe 14 was their first division title, but 15 was the uh, first championship. Okay. I remember, I remember watching, because I was slipping through the channels, and I was, I, I always like, even if I don't really follow the sport or the team, like obsessively, like I'm, I'm a baseball, football guy, all day. Uh, basketball, I, I, I can appreciate it, but I, I, I kind of fell out of love with it years ago when it was players could be one and done in college, and that took a lot of it out for me because I used to follow college and I'd follow those same guys in the NBA. And when that really stopped being a thing, it, it took a lot of the fun out of it for me. Yeah. Um, hockey, I sh- honestly, man, I I know the names. I just I don't know, man. I can't follow it. But Chris, do you really know the names? Because I know the names from like 15 years ago, to be honest with you. So okay. I probably don't at this point anymore. And I had trouble <laughs> pronouncing them then. Like I said, I I can't pronounce my name half the time. So. <laughs> Uh, but I remember, I remember I was slipping through the channels because I do love watching championship games. I love championships, yep. even even if it's the NHL, if it's a game seven or it's a deciding game. If I if I'm if I see it's on, I'll turn it on for a bit and watch because I just like that atmosphere that everything's on the line in that moment. It's it's very exciting. I remember watching the the Warriors go for their first title, and I was pulling for them. I was like, man, okay, this is a team that wasn't anything a few years ago. 
and now they're going for a title, and it was really exciting. And I don't even watch basketball. Within three, four years, I was like, oh, I hope whoever plays the Warriors beats them. <laughs> they did nothing to me. I have no, no ill will towards them. It's just our nature. It's like I don't want to see the same team win over and over again. That's why I, I always understood when team pe- uh, fans were like, oh, I hate the Patriots. Well, like, you're you're like, I mean, you're a Cowboys fan. Like, why? They play once every couple of years. Oh, they they, they always win. So, yeah, because they took the dynasty, they took the dynasty uh, baton from you. Is that why? Okay. But I mean, it's. It, it, I don't. I think it's really good for sports to an extent. Um, I mean, it's always fun to see a different team win in there. Every night, like, I I have to admit. I mean, as much as I was hoping the Patriots won this year because I, they're my team, I always wanted them to win. It was pretty exciting watching that Super Bowl because I just got to watch a good football game. Yeah, there wasn't. It wasn't any. Oh man, I'm so stressed if this happens. If that happens. Um, it was, you watch two good teams play a damn good ball game and the best team won. And I mean, that was fun. That was exciting. Like I, and I think, I think it was, a, I remember hearing it was a very highly rated Super Bowl, uh, because you know, people, people would always watch to see, you'd always get a good rating when the Patriots were in it because either the Patriots fans watched or other, uh, fan bases watched to see if they would lose. But I think you had more people coming out for this one because it's like you're going to have either the return to glory for the 49ers or the the, the, uh, Chiefs winning their first one in 50 years. Either way, this is going to be a really big deal, and you're going to see a whole new set of players get a championship. People like that stuff. But I guarantee you all these people loving Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs if they go win three out of five or they go back to back, you're going to start seeing a lot of people get real negative on old Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes and whoever else they have on that team yep. really, really quick. It's going to get yep. real ugly because that's just the nature of it. It's it's cyclical in the sports. You just, yeah. you just know if you rise to the top, you're going to be hated until you bottom out, which is why, you know, media, the media loves to, Hope and pray that it follow the Patriots happens now. Uh, they've been praying for it for the past three or four years. Unfortunately, it hasn't happened yet. And this this may be the end. But what they're in the corner of their house, in the darkest part of their room, then they, they, they curl up in the corner. They hope and pray that Bill Belichick doesn't somehow reincarnate another version of Tom Brady to extend this run because it would just absolutely destroy any hope of a new narrative. Exactly. And, right. And and it would just continue the Patriot dynasty, which everyone would hate. Like when the Yankees, like the, the Yankees won from 96 to 09, that is like, there is a lot of differences in all those with, with the exception of, I think one player. Uh, yeah. One player, no, two players. Uh, yeah. Jeter and Rivera. Yeah. Other than that, it's like a variance of players. But eventually it did dry up. But now you have the comeback. But it's long enough away to where there's not that animosity towards that one team. Not as much, I would say. Plus, with the Red Sox winning so much, there's a little less animosity. Yeah, yeah. 
uh, the Red Wings, I, I threw that one in there because it was just such a long stretch. And there's a lot of, of wins and trophies and, and awards there. Uh, but now, if you look at hockey nowadays, it's a, there's a lot of parity. You have a lot of different teams winning. Uh, obviously, there's a couple teams that are making conference finals and Stanley Cup finals more than others. But it, there's a lot of differences um, in the league. Even with, um, I don't know if you're aware, Las Vegas got a team – three or four years ago and they've been in a, a Stanley cup finals already and they've been in a couple of conference finals already. So that's what the, that's what leagues want to look for is, is getting teams different teams in, in the playoffs, in the championship games, which is why I think the football is, tr- is trying out this new uh, playoff format to get an extra team in each conference because then maybe that'll get the Browns in the playoffs finally. Maybe that'll finally get the Lions <laughs> in the playoffs. Wishful thinking. I know it's wishful thinking, but it's their their thought process of getting another fan base included in the playoffs. So you know, you know, the Brown fans aren't going to go anywhere. We know that. They're no, no, they're as, they're as loyal as you get. Absolutely, yeah. Like even if they freaking move again, you're still going to have loyal Browns fan base. But that's the whole point. Of, of the playoffs is just to try to get more interest. That's what the baseball did with that, that uh, playing game, essentially, which is a fantastic move. And it, it causes a little more drama, a little more excitement. Yeah, yeah, just, I, I, I just want to see, I just want to see a little more. The, the, my, my beef with, with the dom, with the dominant teams is with basketball where they just create these teams and it's not so much a, a brand, a franchise team. It's more like a team of particular players. And obviously LeBron started this in uh, Miami with his uh, big three. Yeah. And it's kind of gotten worse over time. Although the talent pool has grown in the NBA, which has offered more super teams, if you will. I'll say this about the playing game for, uh, the playoffs. I was not uh, the wild card playing game for baseball. I was not a fan of that when they announced it. Uh, you're right though. That had a, a lot of excitement too. The whole okay, which one of these two teams? One game decides everything. Which you know, you, who do you put out there as a starter? Uh, what's your lineup going to be? Because you have to come back out the next day, the day after, and play a whole another game, start a whole series with another playoff team. Uh, it, it had a lot of excitement to it. So that, that was that was a good move, but. I think at the end of the day, you could have in every sports league known to man, you could have entirely new teams from the previous year make it. Everyone would love it. It'd be exciting. Different fan bases, different teams. And within two or three years, once those same teams made it, people would just dislike them because they were winning all the time. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Like. Is it? It's. 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 Not, I don't think it's bad for sports at all because, like I said, the most unifying thing in sports is not your love of your team; it's mutual disdain for another team. And if you, no matter what happens, you always have a team that's even for a few year stretch, even if they don't win it every year, they're still dominant in some fashion. And you have every other fan base disliking them. It's just how it works. So whether it's, I think it's good for the game. Whether it's good or bad. Like you said, it's cyclical. It's part of it. It's not going anywhere. There's no way around it. It's just what happens. So 
I think it's healthy because it makes more people watch, even if it's for to see another team fail. Yeah. They're still watching, so it's positive. And if you and if you think about it for basketball, the three most polarizing figures is MJ, Kobe, and LeBron. Yes. I mean yep. how, how many how many how many title appearances and then how many titles do they have collectively? It's it's like you're just talking about the last thirty years where the three of them are involved in probably I'm I'm just spitballing probably more than fifty percent of the uh NBA finals. Yeah, it's got to be close to that, yeah. It's got to be close. So, If not more. You, the, the one sport that just – I would say it, it it wouldn't be a team franchise that you would be divisive about. It would be a player that has just so much influence. Because Kawhi Leonard was loved. He got all this love when the Raptors won their first title ever. The king of the – king of the north – the great hope of, of Toronto Raptors basketball. And he left right away. And he left, and he's been praised since he left. But I bet you if he went like on a two-year, two, three-year run in, in L.A. and won two championships, the hate would be there. Absolutely. That's how it goes. Even though he's the most low-key, down-to-earth, calm, he's just – he is not – he doesn't – do headlines. He's he's just a calm basketball player to go out and play his game. And yet he would probably be one of the most hated people if he won two out of three. I, I couldn't agree more. And I'll, 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 I'll end for myself on this. Uh, take for instance, Tom Brady, all that success in new England, MVP awards, the six Super Bowls, the nine appearances, countless other accolades, greatest quarterback of all time. Uh, absolutely despised maybe maybe respected but despised by 31 other fan bases and it's funny because i know a lot of those people i know who hated brady and the patriots all of a sudden now that tom brady's gone it's oh what are you guys gonna do now that the great tom brady's not there and now he's gonna be great in in tampa and it's like well wait now that now he's great you just said how bad he sucked for the past 20 years so that change of scenery not being a part of that team anymore all of a sudden not his accomplishments but just the fact he's in a different location right. has piqued people's interest. Because now if he takes the uh, the somewhat lowly Buccaneers, while they have you know some prodigious talents on that team, uh, not at the quarterback position is not one of them. It wasn't one of them. And now Evans and Godwin and their 36 tight ends are going to have someone capable to throw to them. Everyone's going to be watching. But I guarantee you, if they have a lot of success and Tampa Bay wins one, everyone's going to be right back on, oh, I can't stand this guy train. I would say if if he did it two years in a row, he might. Well, the, 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 the one difference with Tom right now is that it might be two years and that's it. So he might be able to skirt that little that little cycle where it comes back at him just because – you know, if he doesn't win right away or if he wins one of two or two of two, but then he rides off into the sunset, he might be able to skirt that in this this iteration. But if he were to play for four years, like he's, if he ended his – if he got an extension at the end of next this season right. for another two years and he won one and they were looking like they were going to get one another, then, then the, the, the wheel will turn on him. 
but I think the only the only difference would be is he might just end it after two seasons. We don't know because we don't know when Tom Brady's gonna walk away. But it's a perfect point of of all of a sudden he's in a new spot. Oh well, he's this ray of sunshine. Yeah, now he's great again. Well, wait, he always was. What's going on here? He's just in a new spot. That's all it is. It appears that the gentleman Tom Brady took over for, Mr. Jameis Winston is potentially also in a new spot. Potentially. We have to say that. We have to say they're in discussions. We have to say all that stuff because it's not confirmed that he's going to New Orleans, but apparently Jameis Winston is in strong conversations with the uh, New Orleans Saints, which is interesting because they also signed their uh, backup quarterback to a two-year, $21 million contract today. Taysom Hill, right? Yes. Yeah. So – that I, money is a little ridiculous. Yeah. But if they wanted to keep him, they know what he got. They're all in right now. That's the thing is the Saints are all in because I've heard, and I have no idea how true this is. I don't have any kind of inside information. I have heard Drew Brees say this is it. This is his last year. And that by me, that might be why Jameis gets, if he gets a one-year deal. Right. He comes in, he learns the playbook, all that junk, and maybe he it gets extended next year. But then it makes sense why Taysom would get a two year deal. I just I just don't buy Taysom Hill as a starting quarterback. I don't either, and I don't think they do. I think what they want is they want as many pieces of that offense that functions at a really high rate to still be there and know and have Breeze know that if he decides he wants to he wants to play both years of that two-year deal he signed before this season, then he's going to have that team around him. And for Jameis, I think it's a really smart move because he saw what happened. If Drew Brees gets knocked out, they plug Teddy Bridgewater in. Teddy Bridgewater, who didn't really have any path to being a starter unless Drew Brees got hurt. You know, you never want to see anybody, especially a guy like Drew Brees, get hurt, but it, it was the best thing that could have happened for a guy like Bridgewater. Because then he gets to start, what, four or five, six games, wins them all, got himself a brand new fat contract with a nice guarantee, and a, and a team that's looking like it could be really good. And, you know, Bree still stays in New Orleans. Then they bring in, they bring back Taysom Hill. I agree. I think $10.5 million annually for a guy that might play five plays a game, if that is ridiculous. But I guess to them it's worth it. Can I give and, you a conspiracy theory, Chris? What's that? So I'm going to give you a scenario. If you're you're correct in, in what you heard about Drew potentially stepping away, right? Okay, yep. Um, they are on the hook for Drew Brees next year, uh, $36 million. Um, That's absurd. Dead And dead cap and all that junk and grateful, uh, wonderfulness. But here's my conspiracy theory, Chris. Your theory is he walks away. Okay, they have Taysom Hill. They they signed they signed Jameis to a one year deal. Let's say they bottom out, like they just go bad. I don't see it happening. But let's say it goes bad, and somehow they get a top three pick. Do they just blow out Taysom Hill? They blow out, and then they say bye to Jameis Winston, and they go Justin Fields, Trevor Lawrence. I mean, you're assuming they bottom out with Drew Brees or the year after Drew Brees leaves. No, they bought it so for some reason. It goes bad this year. This year, it goes horribly bad. 
and they get top three pick. Oh, yeah. I don't think that's a conspiracy. I think that's smart football. I mean, right now, the best guy that isn't signed to a a contract, well, until today when Taysom Hill signed, that New Year's system was Taysom Hill. You bring in a guy like Jameis Winston who, well, if you bring in a guy like Jameis Winston, I know that's an if still, you bring a guy like that in, yeah, he showed some downside, but you could also sit under the Drew Brees learning tree for a year, and that's valuable in and of itself. You have a guy like Sean Payton who can also help you. And you're going to get a chance to show what you can do after you got your nifty new eye surgery so you can actually see you're thrown in the wrong team now. And I don't think that's a conspiracy theory at all. I think, you know, they brought in the best players they could for their situation. And if for some reason they tank, even if Breeze wants to play next season, or two seasons from now, excuse me, when they could get Fields or Lawrence potentially, then you let them sit under him for a year, learn from one of the best ever, and then you start your franchise anew after the Drew Brees era is over with a brand new stud quarterback for the next 15 to 20 years. I I think that's probably best case scenario, to be honest with you, if, if you were them. Yeah, I just, it's just, it's, Taysom's Hill contract just seems to be, I don't know why it's annoying me so much. It's just, it's, it seems like it's a waste of money. To me, that seems like a waste of money. Um, uh, Especially when you didn't have to do it. He was already under a restricted free agent tender for one year deal. So it may get it may lean more credence to your Drew Brees walking away after this year. Right. Which then I think if he retired, and I'm not hundred percent sure on the details of what happens when someone retires, but I'm guessing all the regular money would come off the books except for the guaranteed money. But then yeah, I think they still have to come, pay the dead cap, but I think the the other the salary itself would come off right. the books, but the dead cap would still be there. But then it just seems like Jameis just for Jameis, it, it's a great move for Jameis to learn under behind Drew Brees for a year. It doesn't seem like it's a great move for the Saints. Like I just, if you're bad. And you suck, you're going to draft someone high. If you're good and you kind of make it, it might coax Drew Brees into playing one more season if you're close. And if he still walks away, I just don't see the value in. I just don't see the value in Jameis Winston. Is my problem? Is well, just, that, that's a one-year deal though, and that's kind of to see what they have. Like they have uh, Taysom Hill as the backup potentially yeah. third stringer, depending on what they do if they bring Jameis in. And then you have a guy like Jameis who is essentially unproven playing with a well-organized team. I mean, he had a much better year this year or this past season than his first few years of his career under Bruce Arians. But still, he had all the interceptions. Like we joked around, he should have been defensive player of the year without how many turnovers he caused. But I do think... It's smart to bring a guy like that in. If you can get him for a contract you can afford that's reasonable for a year, even if it's incentive-based with a you know a couple million dollar guarantee, it's smart on Jameis. You're going to get all that guaranteed money. You're going to get to play with a great quarterback. You're going to get to get to learn a lot of invaluable information. It's smart for the Saints. They have a guy who was a 
relatively decent mid-level starter as a backup, and they have Taysom Hill. I don't think Taysom Hill is worth that money either, but apparently they see something that we don't. So, I mean, I'm glad it's their money and not mine. But I think it's smart because Jameis and Taysom Hill are two different style quarterbacks also. So you can kind of mix and match what works with your offense if your golden goose, Drew Brees, isn't healthy or isn't able to play. And if he is, then you can do even more. I can see your point. It's just, I don't know. It's just the whole situation seems, it almost seems like at some point, Sean Payton and Mickey Loomis need to look, sit down with each other and say, look, it's time to move on. Like completely move on. Oh, I think they should have done it this year. Despite what Drew Brees has done. I said the same thing with the Patriots and Tom Brady. I'm glad as much as I love Tom Brady and what he did for my team, you know, I mean, good luck to you. See you down the road. You want 35, you know, 30 or 35 million dollars at 40 plus when you could fall off at any moment when you weren't even great last year because you had a pouty face because they didn't draft the players you wanted. Like, come on, man. Like you can't you can't cripple a franchise for one player. It doesn't work. Right. Look at Atlanta. How much talent have they had on that team and they can't they can't seem to actually with the exception of Julio Jones really keep anybody decent long term because Matt Ryan his contract is so inflated. <laughs> that it's ridiculous. It cripples the team financially. And they could have, honestly, were they drafted at 20, 24, they could have taken Jordan Love if they had confidence in him. And Absolutely. if you moved on, if you moved on from everybody else, now I don't know if I would have taken Jordan Love. I might have tried to take a stab in the second round if um, it was positioned correctly, Jalen Hurts, or later in the draft, Jake Fromm or Jacob Eason. But then I also would have tried to get, you know, uh, a sturdy veteran. Because, again, I, I don't have faith in Taysom Hill. Whereas I probably would have taken a stab at Marcus Mariota if I just said, thanks, but no thanks, Drew. We're, we're, we're going to move on. Heck, I would have just said, honestly, they should have sat down and said, look, we got this hot commodity and Teddy Bridgewater, and he showed us what he can do for six games, and it seemed like the team kind of changed. No knock on Drew, kind of changed when the Drew came back and started because they may they didn't have really the success that they had with Teddy Bridgewater. So it may have been they may have behooved them just to say, Drew, we're just going to move on and then give Teddy Bridgewater the contract because a he's younger. B, he has a little bit more upside. Obviously, Drew doesn't have any upside. He's on the decline. And honestly, I just – Taysom Hill is just – it's like when Bill wastes money on four or five special team players and he says, well, these are core of our team. It's wasting salary cap space on players that participate in five plays a game. Oh, maybe, but – the man has eight Super Bowl rings on his hand over the course of his career, so I can't question that. True. Uh, and I, I think I think Taysom Hill is, is is a fine player for what the the Saints use him for, as far as being a suitable quarterback to take over Drew Brees in that offense. I'm right there with you. Absolutely not. No way. Wouldn't work. I don't think he's an every down guy. I think 
and I'm going to go back to the Eagles drafting a guy like Jalen Hurts, I think they drafted him to be almost like a Taysom Hill kind of player. They can't make the mistake of – they can't make the mistake if three are – well, actually, you know, it'll be four years down the road. Because he'll be on the he'll be on the roster week one, so for after four years, he they can't make that mistake of okay, we're gonna pay him what above what a a backup makes, but we also have to have a another quarterback as another backup because Jalen Hurts isn't a starter because we know Taysom Hill's not a start uh, he's not a quality backup, he's a gimmick guy, so. Uh, Jalen Hurts has a set number of dollars he'll be paid out for the next four years, which is why it's it's a good setup to get him where they got him. Sure, they just can't make that mistake unless unless, which I believe in Jalen Hurts, and I think he'll he'll progress each year unless he's proven to be a starting quarterback, and if the stars line up correctly, because that contract for Carson Wentz might be able to just poof disappear when Jalen Hurts comes up yeah time, time will tell I mean we'll we'll see I mean he's yet to even suit up in an Eagles uniform so we can't well, know, I just kind of kind of hard to pass judgments until we see anything but I saw what he did in Alabama and and a little bit in Oklahoma so I I, I have confidence in him sure but, but as we know the pro game is very different from the college game. 100%. Well, we're going to we're gonna end today's show with a, a very uh, – a little short. I don't think it's much of a debate because I think we agree. Yes, we do. I saw something today. It was uh, on uh, – I can't remember what site it was on, but some guy asked the question, if you had to build a team right now and take either Christian Yelich or Aaron Judge as your backbone, who would you pick? For me – I'll let you go first. I, I think I know we agree on this. Yeah, it's Christian Yelich. Yeah, same here. It's not even honestly. You didn't even have to really finish saying the name, and I could have just taken Yelich. Nothing against Judge. I mean, I think he could be a good power hitter for a couple years to come if he can stay healthy. But they're about the same age. I think Judge might be slightly older. Uh, but he has took him a while to get to the pros. Yep was very effective his rookie year. Had a real good rookie year, even average-wise, good hits, good power, was fine. Uh, then his second year, you know, had some injuries, all that dropped off. He even got hurt. Oh, I think it was actually a continuation of an injury from last year in the offseason. This previous uh, to this season, which obviously hasn't started yet, but there is an injury there, so who knows if, if or when they decide to play this year, if he'll be ready. Whereas Yelich... Started in the pros at 21, worked his way up, just like you like to see a good player do. You know, he struggled early in his career, fixed some problems, tied up some loose ends, became a phenomenal player for the Marlins, and then got traded to the Brewers where he became even better. That's the trajectory you want to see a player on when you're going to build your franchise around him. Because you see, as he learns more, as he, you know, grows his experience, the talent also increases, which means this is a guy you can teach. This is a guy who isn't afraid to adjust. To me, that's everything. You got a guy like Judge. Eh, 
I think he's a little more into the flashiness of it. The, I, I, I'm a Yankee. I'm, I'm in the big time. I'm a star on the team. And he can't depend on him to be that guy if he can't stay healthy. I mean, it's a simple fact right there that's not an opinion. He doesn't have the time logged in to be a consistent starter in it year in and year out. And, and Christian Yelitz has got – I mean, he probably would have gotten another MVP had he not gotten injured. I believe he got injured at the end of the last season, right? Oh, you wanted this past season. This Two years ago he got injured, I believe. No, he was second in MVP. This he got he got MVP in eighteen, and he's second in MVP in nineteen this past season. And well, who won this past season? Uh, Bellinger. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, uh, yeah. I got my years mixed up. But okay. but, but he was there until because he played one hundred and thirty games, and I think he missed the last month and a half. I want to say of the season, and he would have. And he would have gotten – he probably would have gotten again this year had he not missed that time. Uh, he's just a better player overall. He's Yeah, agreed. He's a five, almost a five-tool player. I mean, the guy, he, he's still in bases, hitting home runs. I know I know the, the new age sabermetrics don't like batting average, but he's got a great batting average. He can throw. He can catch. He can run. He can do it all. And nope. unfortunately, Aaron Judge is looking like what a year or two from now he's going to be a DH. Yeah, he's probably. going to have to play in the AL and be a DH who gets like 400 at bats a year tops because he's so injury prone. And that's what happened with Barry Bonds at the end of his career. But that was at the end of his career. Yeah, and, and yeah. they could just put him in in a right field and just kind of play. You know, that park can kind of play a little bit differently and. If you have a dynamic center fielder, great. It works out better. But, you know, he just – it just seems like he's not going to be able to stay on the field. It's just like his uh, his buddy in New York, uh, Giancarlo Stanton, who clearly is going to have problems staying on the field until the end of his contract. If he so plays now, five more years, I'll be shocked. I'd be stunned too. I'd be absolutely stunned. But I don't think he's going to be in New York too much longer. No. If he can keep it together where he's not in playing like some the old like barnstorming leagues back in the early century or playing in Japan within five years because he's just still trying to make money off you know his name he had when he was younger, I'll be shocked because and I'm talking about Stanton, not Judge. I don't know about Judge. Maybe Judge comes out and has a good five or six years and he can stay healthy. He just has to prove that first. But uh, as far as Stanton goes... I think his problem really started when he changed his name from Mike to Giancarlo. Yes. Mike Stanton was always healthy. Giancarlo Stanton has health issues. If I were him, I'd pull an Ocho Cinco <laughs> and switch it back. That's fair. That's fair. Uh, I just think with Judge, it looks like he's got, I'm guessing here, I think he's got three more years. Um, I think he starts arbitration this, I think he started this offseason. I'm not 100% sure. I don't have the... Uh, Numbers in front of me. I just have how many years he played. And it looks like he didn't have enough play appearances in 16 to qualify for a year. So I think he's got three plus years of service. So he still has three more years, which will put him in 31 when he's a free agent. If I'm New York, I know this is crazy. If I'm New York, 
after two consecutive years where he only played 112 and 102 respectively uh, games, if he puts together a good year, that next offseason, you, you really sit down and think, can we deal Aaron Judge to get something back? Because we know the bubble's going to burst. It's just it's just a thought because you don't want the bubble to burst when he's sitting in on your on your on your lineup. You want it to burst elsewhere. Like yeah. I don't know. Think of think of another team, and albeit they didn't get the value we thought they would have gotten, but when Giancarlo Stanton got traded, I was just going to say that the Marlins got the good part. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, obviously we all thought they didn't get the value they should have gotten, but you got to look at it financially. They got rid of a ton of money off their books and they got some talent. So you got to take that for what it's worth. You got some talent. Now the Christian Yelich deal hasn't turned out anywhere close. They should have for the Marlins, but I just think you got, you, you have something in your hands, uh, uh, a talent, but a talent that might blow up in your face. You need to try to push it onto the next team before it does burst in your, in your face. Yeah, good luck trying to move him with that contract. But I'm talking about um, Judge. Oh, Judge. Okay, I'm yeah, talking about yeah. Judge, not not, not Stan. Yeah, I mean, if he can stay healthy, like you said, if he can stay healthy for a year or two, maybe maybe you can move him for for a small ransom. But we'll we'll see. We'll go ahead and uh, if you're all set, we'll go ahead and wrap this up. Yep. And uh, as always, any opinion or thoughts on any of our topics, we would love to hear from you. And Ben, where can they do that? They can hit us up on Twitter. That's at BCTS pod, or they can hit us up on Facebook. That's Ben and Chris talk football. All right, ladies and gentlemen, uh, I know for, for Ben and myself, I'd like to uh, send out a thank you to all of you. April to this point has been our highest downloaded month yet since we started the podcast. Excellent. Uh, we greatly appreciate everybody listening and downloading regularly. If you can, if you have been great, if you still can, we'd appreciate it. Just tell somebody about the podcast and we know uh, we appreciate any positive any any feedback really i mean constructive criticism is always good too um but ben's real sensitive so try to be nice yes please all right we're gonna stop rambling thank you so much for listening for ben i am chris please stay safe stay healthy we will see you right back here friday morning thank you